Welcome back to a brand new episode of Two Please. I'm your host Sabin, and I'm your co-host Rohit. What are we talking about today? You tell me. <laughs> okay. And guess the cat's out of the bag. And if you've read the title, you obviously know what you've clicked on this for. Today we'll be discussing Disney's. Do people click anymore? You tap. You tap, click. I don't know. I mean, if you're on, if you're listening to this on a on a laptop, you're probably clicking, right? Yeah, but. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. I Anyways, know. I, I, sorry. Uh, sorry for that. Okay. You just triggered a thought in my head. Sorry. Minor detour aside. <laughs> today we will be discussing the second age of Disney's animated films, or rather what is more popularly known as the Disney Renaissance. Yes. Between the period 1989 to 1999. Yes. So the idea for this episode came to us as we were trying to figure out what we really want to talk about in, on today's episode. And it also helped that there's been a lot of discourse happening over the casting of Ariel in the new Little Mermaid remake. I don't particularly have a problem with the casting of. I think we should address that in some detail when yeah we, when we get I'm to it. Spend a couple of minutes at least. Yeah, I don't think we have a problem with it as much as I have an issue with Disney remaking all of their yes. films during this era. Um, but I think we leave that for um for for the other part of the episode. So with that out of the way, let's start the show. I am big. It's the picture that got small. So this is again kind of a nostalgia bomb episode for the both of us because we're both '90s children. Yes. And these are the kind of movies we kind of grew up on. I'd say one movie that connects the a generation of children and even parents for that matter is Disney's Lion King. But we'll get to the Lion King as we go we're down do this roughly chronologically chron- as best possible. As best possible. So I think. It's only right that we start off with The Little Mermaid, which is the film yeah. that kicked all this off. Coincidentally, the most current, or rather the movie most being discussed right now. Exactly. Although the oldest of, of the decade. Of the, yeah. and, and funnily enough, I never thought it would be the oldest. I always thought Aladdin came, Beauty and the Beast came first. But Beauty and the Beast yeah. was a few years after this. So Little Mermaid tells the story of Ariel, a 16-year-old mermaid who has a fascination with the human world. One such. She's the OG. Uh, what's the Arthur Weasley? She's the OG obsessed with humans, and she's redheaded too. Yeah, see, mm-hmm. very nice. Now you know where Rowling got it. Okay, Arthur Weasley, Ariel is the connection. A and It's all connected. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is planned. Okay. Is her name Ariel Waters or something? Then it's A W. Oh my God. I think her name is just Ariel. Just Ariel. Okay. Ariel and her friend Flounder. Okay. Uh, who is I don't know, don't know what kind of fish she is, but yeah. all fish are the same. <laughs> Sorry to all the bongs and malus out there. <laughs> to me, all fish are the same. Yeah. But yeah, so it's the story of this girl who is fascinated by the human world. Weirdly <laughs> enough, that rhymed. One one fine day. A, a, a ship crashes and she ends up saving a dude called Eric and Eric turns out to be really good looking and she's fascinated by him but then she has to go back she leaves she leaves him to the shore and she goes back and then makes a wish with with a sea witch known as Ursula 
which i don't know how she's so thirsty when she literally lives under water <laughs> man uh, how shallow can you be oh, dude God. the puns so, said themselves the fish puns have begun <laughs> so this is going to be a long episode <laughs> not for not for you guys to hear but for me to like record yeah <laughs> But, no, but I mean, it is jokes apart. She just seen this guy. Yeah, he looks good because of physics. They can't really talk to each other mm. uh, because that's not how sound works. Exactly. And on purely on appearance alone, she just decides, "Hey, I'm going to give up everything I know just to be with this dude who, like, I haven't even asked for his forget consent, interest. <laughs> like, what are his life plans? Is he even from here? Is, is he married? What's yeah. happening?" But okay, none of that matters to to young Ariel. So what ultimately ends up happening is that she decides to go and find a sea which would then grant her her wish. Turns her into a human for three days, but takes her voice in return under the condition that if she does not get this dude to kiss her, like truly kiss her, then uh, she will be the witches forever. And then. a so whole plot she is the witches forever as in like what what is she to how is she gaining from taking her voice no she's gaining because she knows that she's like king triton's daughter yeah. which is the big thing no but like does asila want to use a king triton possibly i think okay, that they don't explain that they don't really explain it not, okay. not to not to my memory anyway then a whole plot ensues and you know you've got drama you've got suspense the all yeah. the trappings of a wonderful disney story really nice film Um I thought it it was nice the first time I saw it and several times that I've seen it. Also if you if you're hearing some random whacking in the back oh, I'm sorry you like we're living next to construction these days. India is a booming economy guys. Yeah so <laughs> I really sincerely apologize for the for the sound this week. But coming back to the little mermaid it's a movie I, I have fun with it it was pretty successful when it came out. And actually I don't think Ursula is the Paddy, like her motivation. I mean, if she's not looking to you, like overthrow the king or whatever, she's just basically telling Ariel, bro, this is how biology works. You want to go above ground, you can't speak. So it's the whatever plot point or I, I think way her, to kind of establish science. I think her motives are slightly more um, sinister than that. So I don't think Ursula was thinking. She's given like seventy-two hours, very very bureaucratic there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's timeline. You have to finish your task in this, otherwise uh, your license is revoked. But I remember Ursula terrifying me as a child. Yes, the it's... character design is amazing. Yeah, I almost feel they sort of recycled it with Hades. I, I mean, we'll we'll get we'll to get that to that. Oh, yeah, I completely forgot about Hercules, but yeah, okay. Huh? Yeah, I mean, the, it's that whole black and blue and. sort of otherworldly appearance i feel mm. that there's a lot of uh, ursula and hades but ursula mm. is obviously the og but then yeah disturbing looking baddie mm. but yeah i think even the voice acting i'm not sure uh, who the person it was but great voice acting in fact uh, this is a good point for me to also uh, make the larger point here which is uh, i think these earlier first few movies in this decade i feel worked better from a performance perspective because this was before this whole trend of getting in your screen actors or regular actors to do voice acting mm-hmm. and truth be told these are two different talents these are two different uh, uh, what do i say use cases so to speak and you can't really transplant somebody who does screen acting and expect them to perform as well as a voice actor and people who uh, play i mean people who play games i sound old 
people who game uh, will definitely uh, agree with me somebody oh, for like sure, Nolan yeah. North or somebody like uh, what's the other guy Troy Baker Troy Baker yeah. uh, and even comic book movies for that matter i mean they are i mean there's nobody who can do exactly it like they are they are they do what they do because they're so good at it exactly so and i think that that these early movies really benefited from that not to say that i mean not to say that voice actors are uh, so i mean not to say that screen actors are almost uniformly bad but i feel there is some sort of quality trade off that inevitably happens happens yeah uh, we'll see even in these set of movies i think you start seeing these big names sort of appearing in the cast as well mm-hmm. uh, and in fact today i think it's it's i think it's what point where yeah uh, and i don't know, at least for me when i now watch a, a disney animation movie a part of me is distracted trying to id the voices of the characters and it takes me out of the story but it, i can't sort of help it it's it's i feel like we've been like conditioned to it right yeah. i think I, i think what what happens is as kids we would go chasing uh voice actors because some of them would sound familiar and i think we'll get to one of those movies and then that just and it's it's like a it's a habit we've learned Correct. since we were kids and if you share in any sort of interest in, in the medium you tend to like try and get as much information as a, as you possibly can about about the yeah. film and i think there are some movies of late where they're again reverting back to getting more and more voice actors which i think is a great move it's, it's what the industry should start moving back to hmm. let people do what they're good at yeah. why why uh, shoehorn why trying fit a square peg in a round hole speaking of shoehorning uh, disney is for some reason really obsessed with remaking all of these movies yes i don't i don't think it's a uh, I mean I don't know. I I recently read this uh, Russo brothers interview. Uh, I mean now that they've done end game and stuff they sort of moved out of the Disney and Marvel umbrella. They're mm-hmm. doing their own thing. And they were asked as to uh, would they come back for a Marvel project and are they interested in doing something with DC and Russo brothers said we are sort of done with Marvel and Disney mm-hmm. for now and uh, we sort of want to keep a bit of arms length with Disney for a while because I think Bob Iger stepped down recently I think I think a few years ago a few years ago and Chepek is the guy who is yes. currently there. and apparently ever since that has happened mm-hmm. there's a, a a strategic shift in Disney's approach for the next decade or so mm-hmm. uh yeah, Disney is moving more towards what the Russo brothers call IP recycle mode mm-hmm. wherein they they know okay we have a like a stable of properties let's just reuse it we've done it in one format let's just do it in another, another format. format and not just formats you see it even with star wars there's some n number of random shit that's coming like yeah. i don't know what the fuck andor even is but apparently andor is very good I, i mean i'm sure they're all good but at some point you're going to have ip fatigue it's like yeah. bro, how many star wars episode like shows and movies should i think I watch? or marvel yeah. like for example phase 4 of marvel just seems insipid as hell it feels extremely clunky very disoriented and um I don't know what the yes, and, and everything I like everything doesn't have to be interconnected everything doesn't have to be a larger universe I, I feel in this phase by taking this step Disney sort of killing one off original uh, movie making so yeah and I think it's a, it's a very clear strategy they're taking which is not working I don't know it's why they're still persisting I, with I feel like it's what the box office collections are not doing the numbers they're expected to do but they're still doing good numbers it's good enough to sustain so they're like yeah okay I mean, we don't have to I think mean, we don't have to they're very cl- close to having full monopoly over entertainment. the entertainment industry at this yeah. point right let's think about it even um, yesterday I, I saw in preparation for this episode I was going back and finding 
some of the older Disney films. And unless you really search, <laughs> like you, you won't find them. I mean, they're available on on your Disney Pluses and your uh, and your Hot Stars and whatnot. Like I, I remember trying to find Hunchback of Notre Dame, finding the trailer for the Hunchback of Notre Dame, finding this the directed DVD Hunchback of Notre Dame sequel, and right at the end was the movie. <laughs> so clearly, uh, in terms of catalog, Disney is just like okay, we'll um, they they're kind of slowly pushing away the older '90s projects mm. in order to make room for. I'd say the remix for the for the Marvels, yeah, and for the Star Wars, even to a certain degree. But coming back to the remix issue and like what's the happening, Little Mermaid, with, the, with the Little Mermaid, current issue at hand. I don't particularly care about the casting in terms of I. It, number one, this is a mermaid. Let a mermaid look like however the person wants a mermaid to look and like. Like it's a fictional creature. Who the fuck said a mermaid has to look exactly one way or the yeah, other? Yeah, exactly. So I I believe certain redheads are pissed off because the film yeah, was the one thing they had. They had, they had one thing. <laughs> but then like people from the black community have also have uh, have had red hair growing up. So it, it kind of it's a much to do about nothing really in my opinion. And I mean on it like the larger question that one should ask and I think we just addressed it is these films were perfectly fine and accessible the way they were. Yeah. I don't think anybody asked Ask for, for a little, little moment. I don't think anybody asked for a Lion King live action. I mean, there's a controversy or something that is irrelevant. Like, should be irrelevant. It literally. really... So, I think Jungle Book, because it happened... Jungle Book came out in the 1950s. So, to have understood that, okay, tech has come a long way since. Because the Jungle Book kind of shows its age, even though it's a very nice movie. Yeah. I understand John Favreau did the whole sound stage. It was a big breakthrough in uh, in shooting film. That movie had heart, even though like it was a CGI fest. Yeah, I mean, the, in, I think even Jungle Book suffered from the uncanny valley, but uh, really highlighted when it came to the came to the Lion King. And it wasn't boring. It was. It really wasn't. I think I thought Jungle Book was was an entertaining watch. Yeah. And so this whole Little Mermaid situation, I just find extremely bizarre and kind of pointless. Really. I mean, uh, I don't know. So there's two ways to look at it. It was... Uh, yeah, Haley Berry. Yeah, Was she selected because she was the best? She auditioned the best for the role? If that's the case, fine. Mm. Like, let the best person get the role. And race doesn't really matter. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a fictional creature. Of course. It's yeah. like saying, oh, vampires can't have whatever. They can't have freckles. Like, who mm. the fuck are you to <laughs> decide what vampires should or shouldn't have? Yeah. But if it's a case of just like token mm. whatever, representation yeah. or token representation, I mean, fine. It's your IP. You can do whatever. I just want to ask Disney, why? So no, I, I, think, I mean, these are fictional characters, represent them how we want. Yeah. But then there's the other slightly more sinister uh, thought is where they do this knowingly because they know it will stoke the fires um, of like of a certain circles online, which then helps up build press for the film. While I understand it's it's a medium that works for certain people, um, but at the same time, I also like it. It's more like it's an exhausting situation because every couple of months you open up a show and people are fighting over hmm. something stupid and bizarre. I don't know if the problem is with the, the company or the problem is with the people or if they're both equally complacent. No, I think generally off late, I mean, it's been a, that it's been the case for a few years. People are just waiting to be offended. Exactly. Like see, the internet has given everyone a voice. It's like, Hey, I'm, why am I pissed off? I don't know. But if I'm pissed, I'll be hurt. So I'm just going to be pissed. Like you take She-Hulk, for example, 
Shirak is a great idea. Like the show is a great idea and concept, and this is that's my big issue with let's say with Marvel right now. It's boring as fuck. It it really is. Like I feel after the second episode, I just switched off and I haven't gone back to it since. Yeah, I was very it. impressed with Miss Marvel's first episode, and I was like, okay, we we are going someplace here, and even that got old quickly. So yeah. I don't quite know if uh, Disney know to like follow up on the execution. They do have. a new f- a new property that's coming out and by the, this might be old i don't know depending by when you when, when you're listening to it it's called werewolf by midnight or something it's one of their first r rated um movies that i'd like to say I, i don't even know what it is yeah, but it's I, getting grave reviews yeah. because they're like oh, it's gory it's terrifying and, and it's it's, a, uh, it's what do you say daring for, exactly, for disney for disney right so which is the kind of stuff that we'd like to see i mean what harm is it go- is it, i understand you have A, a franchise to sell. I understand you have merchandise to sell. Like, like I, I get the whole thing, the value prop of of your company, but at the same time, like, is so much of this needed? Yeah. I, I, I feel Disney oversaturated. Oversaturated. Yeah. But I like. I think we've rambled on. <laughs> we were talking about Little Mermaid, and then we yeah. decided to shit on Disney. But Disney. coming back to <laughs> yeah, the next movie, I think we should move on. Yeah, I think we should move on. There's not not much to see on Little Mermaid. It's a fun ride. It has one of a very nice. uh original disney song called under the sea sang yes. by sebastian the crab fun fun movie like i i have no problems with uh with the little mermaid i don't never thought it was exceptional i thought it always sort of was a fun film does it deserve a remake i i really don't think it None does none of them do yeah we're still going to get them yeah we still are but moving on the next film on our list is a 1991 uh, animated film called beauty and the beast it was remade in 2017 starring dan stevens and emma watson But in 1991, it held the prestigious honor of being the animated film to have won the Best Picture award in the musical or comedy category at the Golden Globes, and to have been nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. The tale is quite simple. There is a woman in uh, who lives in a village known as Belle. Uh, her father gets lost in the forest one day, ends up stumbling onto this big mansion or castle, and there's a beast in there who captures him, and then Belle decides to go. and rescue her father a lot of drama ensues the two end up falling in love the beast and bell that is let's <laughs> just share this but again very classic Sounds disney like story the, the og 50 shades of gray yeah <laughs> it really is right like it's kind of yeah i mean he he's got her trapped she's sort of he doesn't have a choice 50 shades then of gray actually hints of stockholm syndrome yeah Uh, I remember watching this movie on 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 VHS back in the day, and one of those really. This was one of the films that used to really stutter in the first five minutes, mm. uh, and you know, take the, tape used to stutter, or you used to stay the tape. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I I began stuttering much years many years later, <laughs> but the tape used to stutter, and then as you they gloss over what happened with uh, with the beast in the past. It, this is a movie I I quite enjoy. uh it's super entertaining mm. there is uh i know it 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 may not have aged the best but there's a, there's a lot to like about it mm. like there's there is a, a lot to enjoy and it's it's 2 hours or just under 2 hours of pure straightforward entertainment and it's, i it's, think rehabilitation is a very strong theme in the movie which appeals to our wishful side like you know yeah. uh even if somebody might look away from a certain way from the outside uh maybe there's always something good to mine from mm. that person underneath so it's a nice message 
but i think it doesn't age well in especially uh, in today's uh, time and age where it might end up uh, leading you to chase maybe toxic relationships yeah. like i can fix that person yeah it really sort of it's not not the best example for relationships yeah, yeah. um especially today i think one character that just that does stand out uh, if not for anything else for his uh, self affirming song is gaston yeah luke evans playing gaston yeah so i mean not just in the remake but also in the original mm-hmm. i think that's something that really that's a character although he's a baddie yeah. it's a character that stayed more with the audiences than i think bell or the beast yeah for sure i think gaston and is kind of almost like i know in the disney parks today gaston is a very popular character yeah. uh, for the, kids to interact with there's funny enough i saw something really revolving around gaston this morning where uh, this girl like this lady is in the line and she yells at gaston and tells him that she broke up with her boyfriend and would she go on it would he go on a date with her and he says i'm only looking for the prettiest girl in the park today oh, damn <laughs> burns yeah So I so Gaston's legacy prevails. A, a very fun fun character of course turns out to be the villain in the end but still you enjoyed seeing it's like he was Johnny Bravo before Johnny Bravo. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And he's a great catalyst for moving the movie along if nothing yeah, else. If if nothing else. Anyway, not much to say on Beauty and the Beast. It has has a direct to DVD sequel which is not really great. Great, great song as well. Great title track, Beauty and the. Uh, it also won the original song. Sequence called Two Beauty, Two Beast or something. What is it? I mean, I the story called, had a great resolution. I What think it's called a Christmas. It's a Christmas movie. Oh, okay. Um, not Two Beauty, Two Beast. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I think they missed a trick by not calling it that. <laughs> <laughs> I would totally watch Two Beauty, Two Beast. <laughs> Lame title. Uh, second sequel titles aside. Is there anything else you want to add on this before you move on? No, no I'm good. <laughs> I think I, I really want to talk about the next movie. I mean, we have spoken about it in another episode. Mm. Was that the Guy Ritchie episode? Yeah, Possibly. we spoke about the live action remake. Another unnecessary live action remake. But the movie we're talking about is ninety threes, no ninety twos, Aladdin. Oh, of course. So ninety ninety two, ninety two, ninety twos, Aladdin. uh starring uh we don't know who because again this was before the only big name here obviously uh, i think this is the first movie which had like a big name as part of the like as cast. yeah as big a name right and in this case completely justified of I, course yeah. I, i don't think uh even on merit you would probably have gotten the role over a lot of other voice actors we're talking obviously about robin williams who voiced genie mm-hmm. uh i think one of the all time greatest voice performances i feel For so sure. much more that was brought to the table by him than what what was on the script i think this movie did such wonders for his film career yeah because i mean obviously you have mark and mindy so it's, it's, he's not he's not an actor that has lacked for roles he did good yeah. good morning vietnam in the 80s yes. so a lot the man is obviously top of his game this is probably one of the first instances where a studio has let a man improv and somebody like disney who are very like sticklers for yeah um, like this is the script we're going to do this like you can't there's a whole list of things you can't do i think when they saw they saw light in robin is like just go for it go for it and they let him go for it yeah. and they animated around that yeah which is an insane task but yeah. props to disney that, that that really it really shows and It's such a fun film. Yes, it's terrifying. There's a great villain in Jafar. Oof. Amazing. Um, one of the one of my favorite uh, Disney villains, I'd say. I and this is I think I mentioned this on the Guy Ritchie episode as well. The cave moving 
is terrifying yeah is is so scary and that sequences yeah exactly right like the cave has the mouth of a lion yes. and it, it lion or snake no no lion lion, lion right yeah. it's got a lion's mouth yes yes and then they in the in the live action it's just a a fixed structure that makes yeah. weird noises and i was just like dude this lion is lion's gas <laughs> <laughs> Like you just take the magic out. The live action just sucks all the magic out of. Aladdin, um, especially, is the kind of movie that should. It will never work in live action. I mean, how does a character like your CGI budget is going to go through the roof trying to recre- recreate what they did with Aladdin in animation yeah. in live action? Mm-hmm. It's. I don't mind Will Smith's genie. I think Will Smith's genie has. No, no, I'm not turn. saying Will Smith's performance. Hmm. Like, It's a magical being. He's going to move, contort in ways that human beings can't. Why do yeah. you even want to try replicating that in li- that in live action? It's just you're asking for trouble. The story of Aladdin is quite simple, right? There's yeah. a thief that ends up being used by Jafar to get a magical lamp yes. from a cave, and then he doesn't make it back. The cave closes. He almost doesn't make it back, but Jafar thinks he's dead. This releases the genie in the lamp. and and as a result like the genie and him become friends and then they push him as this prince from a far away land and then sali i mean the music in the movie movie is, is great like the movie yeah, that prince ali is a song that sticks to mind usually in, out of the, there are two songs in this that really stick to mind uh, prince ali which is uh, and the other one is um, a whole new world a whole new world right yeah. i was forgetting the name both really fun yes. memorable songs which they kind of tend to recreate in um in the new the aladdin day. which yeah. uh, not exactly a fan but this will smith rap no i don't think Thank it's the climax of this film is quite terrifying it is it, i think the snake that you're talking about is in the climax is, is jafar stuff yeah the and no and then jafar turns into, turns into a, a snake, snake right I mean, he loves snakes i know that much yeah, yeah. and he turns into a snake because the genie gets like he becomes the master of the lamp right correct, and then correct. genie ultimately gives him the three wishes mm. anyways uh, but yeah i think uh, that's what i was i was confusing with the the entrance of the cave mm-hmm. uh, also this uh, is another disney movie that has origins in sort of classic literature uh, aladdin is a character that is from the arabian nights now what happened with me was obviously i'd seen the movie first growing mm-hmm. up uh, i read Richard Burton's uh, version of the Arabian Nights, the unabridged version, his collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, firstly, wait, Richard Burton, not the actor. This okay. is a different Richard Victor, Burton altogether. Yeah, yeah, the different Richard Burton, who who was a Victorian era author. Okay. So it his Arabian Nights are written in that English, mm-hmm. which in itself is very flowery, mm-hmm. poorly wrought out, whatever it's. For and it was very boring to read, and the. original story doesn't have uh, jafar and all of that of course, it's just this he's a thief stumbles onto uh, in a cave he stumbles onto the lamp and it's a story of uh, him overcoming the greed of asking for too much yeah. he comes back home and his mom is like he tells his mom so and so happened mom is like be careful with like don't mm-hmm. ask for too much I don't know what happens in the rest of the story because I remember as a kid I read it and I'm like what the fuck is this there's no genie yeah. there's no jafar there's no sultan there's no jasmine this is wrong like, <laughs> <laughs> this is not aladdin <laughs> so honestly I don't remember what happens in the original story beyond this point but uh, it doesn't have all of these fantastical elements obviously it has a jinn mm-hmm. because jinn was a creature, creature in, in arabian folklore mm-hmm. but it doesn't have 
the rest of it is uh, embellishment that disney has added mm-hmm. which i think is great embellishment it makes the story a lot more involving mm-hmm. and a lot more engaging i don't know i didn't know it was it was it was a tale about greed but now that you mention it, it i mean if you think about it at the heart of it it is all about greed right yes. so how can we exploit the genie Mm-hmm. as best possible and aladdin is the character who overcomes that mm-hmm. i mean spoilers for aladdin but yeah. <laughs> uh, he makes sure that he reserves one wish which he uh, in the end uses to free genie from his uh, Sh- shackles bondage yeah, from his shackles mm-hmm. uh, to the curse that made him uh, get into the lamp so yeah. he eventually overcomes that greed but yeah aladdin was was a fun fun romp and also i think at the time the highest grossing animated movie of all time yeah but would not hold it for long for long yeah because two years later disney decide to think hey you know what what do we what if we take hamlet and make it friendly for kids and they release the lion king now the lion king i think this is probably a big a big instance of populating your movies with stars yes this is the first big project because you have james earl jones as mufasa mm. instantly recognizable voice matthew broderick as simba uh i i believe jeremy and jeremy and scar or rowan atkinson as zazu nathan lane as timon timon no, yeah timon or pumba timon timon yeah and um, i forgot who plays pumba but again sufficient big names already in the cast in the cast right and it also just happened to have a musical score by elton john and hans zimmer and hans zimmer Kanzam like and Elton John combine. I think another great soundtrack that Hans and animated movie that Hans has Hans won. Hans won his Oscar. His his only Oscar that he's won or first Oscar at least was for was uh, for this. Is it? Lion King. Interesting. There's another great animated film that Hans has provided a score for, which is Spirit, Staring at the Cimmeron. It's an animated film about a horse. I don't know this. It's where Matt Damon voices a horse. Uh, and it's like a horse during I think around. around the Klondike era okay if i'm not mistaken and like it's a story about sauce and and his uh, native american friend and this is the movie that it had hans zimmer and brian adams as a one two combo for the score so the song here i am comes from this movie oh okay but i mean here i am you have the pop tune which is a different version but then you have the the version that he recorded for the movie which is wonderful it's really really nice but a little on hansima there <laughs> but coming back to the lion king i i think this is probably my most rewatched movie of all time and i haven't seen it in close to a decade at this point but still is up there as a film i have seen the most number of times ever mm 94 right i think we got it here in india in 96 97 because i I'd, i'd like to believe that's when i was watching movie theaters for the first time and then watched it um she know what i take the back I, i did watch this movie on tape i watched this movie on tape every day before i went to kindergarten <laughs> like on so it was uh, a part of my daily ritual so i i've seen this film my mother was worried he's watching the same movie for the 101st time my mother time. was the one playing the is film is my son developmentally slow <laughs> has he not understood it yet three two years later oh my son has dyslexia <laughs> <laughs> um but i had a lot of fun with this film i think it's my most treasured disney film. it is a fun film mm-hmm. but 
given the source material it inevitably has to go to dark places i mean hamlet so is no walk in the park that's so. not hamlet is just sad yeah. sadness sadness you're feeling sad you're taking more sadness it's like uh, like emo kids it should this should be their uh, their bible hamlet mm. should be their bible for all emo <laughs> people because if i recall hamlet the character himself loves black yeah most of his days in the day the castle in denmark are overcast it's mm-hmm. great it's all emo stuff dude like Shakespeare uh, was going through his emo phase. Yes, it is essentially Shakespeare's emo phase. So, mm-hmm. and you see that bleed into the work as well. I mean, jokes upon Hamlet is a, uh, it's a, it's a movie on uh, what's the murder of your brother called, brother patricide or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. it's a movie of in internecine conflict, family murder, a lot of court intrigue. There's a it, it's it's taken from an old. easy to like a robert eggers movie yeah, it's not but if you vibe with it you love it it's super atmospheric i think that's one of my favorite aspects of that film it's yeah so it seeps in atmosphere <laughs> um, and also uh alexander scott alexander there are so many of them running around <laughs> alexander scott scott is super easy on the eyes yeah dude is jacked <laughs> as especially during his whole berserker sequence yeah oh my god and dude like I'm I'm straight, but when I see like when he comes out of that attack and the long hair and all that, part of me is like, am I straight? <laughs> so this 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 is a bit confusing sequence. I I didn't understand why they cast Nicole Kidman as his mother. And when you watch the movie, she's actually the worst example the worst. because, but actually no, because Gertrude in Hamlet mm-hmm. looks young for her age. She still retains her beauty. I guess that's why they cast her. Also, and I think the fact that they've played husband and wife before. Oh yeah they have I think place. Robert Eggers wanted that like uneasy dynamic because that exists even in in Hamlet right in Hamlet in Heather as well. to a degree as well yeah uncomfortable equation or vibe yeah. between between the mother, mother and son, son. Yeah. there's almost almost sort of audible yeah uh, undercurrent mm-hmm. so thankfully not there in lion king lion king yeah <laughs> that would have been weird although i think in real life in like in nature lions, lions don't just, really respect these relations they really don't lions will do anything, do anything anyone yeah so how many have a number of common relations means common relations yeah so, so wow this is a movie this is a i mean fairly you don't know we to come back to lion king but i like maybe went yeah so yeah the story what is the story of the lion king there is So there is this uh, studly uh, leader of the pride lion Mufasa a voice by James Earl Jones appropriately enough he's like the granddaddy of all voices with gravitas mm-hmm. uh, his son Simba who i think because of that movie now god knows how many lions and lion cubs have been named Simba it's almost synonymous with baby lion yeah. Simba and baby dogs as well yeah a lot of dogs uh, named Simba Uh, also a hindi movie but we're not going to go there <laughs> so uh, who has a son called simba who is uh, because there is monarchical succession even in the animal kingdom <laughs> it is believed that he is going to inherit everything that the i see if yeah. I, that's verbatim what the sun touches everything in the sun touches is is yours or yeah. something so the line goes he's going to inherit that from his father 
Simba, uh, Mufasa has a younger brother younger, younger brother called Scar mm-hmm. who is uh, from the looks of it severely anemic mm-hmm. hasn't stepped out in the sun much he has vitamin D deficiency so he looks darker he looks leaner he's mm-hmm. he's got some scars hence the name Scar yeah. uh, what a voice I mean his voice by Jeremy Irons who Jeremy Irons as Scar is the definitive voice I think, yes. which makes no, so if you think about the live action film for them to have cast James Earl Jones and not gone to Jeremy Irons for Scar was a mistake there i think Shwetal Jaifar is the guy who plays uh, Scar in the in yeah. the live action but I mean, Jeremy Irons is right there yeah, it's not like he's dead yeah you would have cast been, almost a 90 year old James Earl Jones you could have easily cast Jeremy Irons i mean at least it would have saved it i i'd like to believe it would have saved us from whatever he was doing in house of gucci cuz Jeremy Irons accent in house of gucci is in six different countries <laughs> But coming back to the film, so it's it's a it's a film about monarchical yes. succession. So so this happens and Scar is like, hey, I Scar, should be king. Yes. And uh, he employs the help of three hyenas. Three hyenas. One of them voiced by Whoopi Goldberg. Yes. Um, and uh, they hatch a plot together. And I think the hyenas are a stand-in for uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Okay. From Hamlet. Okay. okay. If literary heads are going to kill me if I'm getting this wrong, but I think. in the in hamlet those two kind of help uh, the brother kill mufasa, mufasa so and i mean there's a whole plot i don't want to get into mm. the details but scar essentially bumps mufasa off and one of and the most on uh, simba yeah one of the most terrifying sequences terrifying like, heartbreaking it's the, the like, stampede the, the wildebeest stampede is uh, is a lot yeah i think for a while after i watched that movie and i used to watch a lot of uh documentaries on animal planet and discovery uh whenever there would be a documentary on africa uh for a while i used to support the lions whenever those guys would be chasing me like, fuck those animals get them kill them eat them shit them out i'm actually getting goosebumps just thinking about it and i haven't seen the sequence in years where mufasa has scrambling onto the rocks and says god help me and then like scar like stamps his club and then he says long live the king because yeah. long live the king and then you see the like yeah. it cuts to green call back to yeah. source material also it, it, it and then it cuts to mufasa's eyes widening yeah. under the shadow of scar's face and i was like wow and great. just that delivery of that line i think is peak jeremy yes yeah. i think it, that scene comes back at the end of the film as well because like mm. where scar says oh this is how your father looked before i killed him and such a fun film great songs i think instantly yes. recognizable if you hear the opening bars of circle of life Yeah, uh, nobody knows what they say because none of us speak Swahili. Uh, but everyone knows. Not just that, right? You have I just can't wait. I mean, the, I just can't wait to be king was added. No, is is sorry, it's in I just can't wait to be king. Then they added a song called Morning Report for the DVD release back in like the early two thousands. And of course, in the air tonight. In the air tonight. No, it's called Can You Feel the Love Tonight. Can you feel the love? In the air tonight is a Phil Collins song. Oh yeah, shit! Who will also make an appearance in this episode? In this episode, mm-hmm. yes, yes. My apologies. Can you feel the love tonight? Can you feel the love tonight? Great Elton John love ballad. Um, kind of brought him back. I think he had a few years in the wilderness. Yeah. And <laughs> fun intended. <laughs> fun intended. And then he comes back with this. Such a fun film. Yes. I I, I, I I mean. comfortably the best in the set that we're discussing today. Oh for sure, undoubtedly. I don't think anything could have topped this. But moving on from the Lion King, let's quickly take a look at what followed. 
Uh, what followed in 1995 was Pocahontas, which is the story of... Um, problematic from start to finish. I mean, Source material is problematic. <laughs> the adaptation is problematic. Uh, and the... James the, Cameron's love for exactly. it is problematic. And all of the reskinning of that story into different adaptations, all of them have been problematic in their own ways. Yeah. It's just uh, white savior syndrome... At its dialed most egregious, 11, yeah. yeah, dialed up to 11. Uh, the, what's the other trope that they really play into? The, the gen- noble savage, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically how these, um, the original inhabitants of the land are these gentle, elevated creatures who are being exploited by the other white guys. Mm. It's just, all of it is very icky. Yeah. Uh, like Disney is a bit too sanitize these stories and, Keep pushing the white man as the savior, the white savior complex, yeah. right? Not, I mean, a lot of people have problems. I, 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 I haven't watched Pocahontas in, in in a fair amount of time. Neither have I. I mean, I have watched Pocahontas in two thousand eight because of James Cameron, like you said. Of course, yes. <laughs> two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're talking about Avatar. For those of you who didn't catch on already, yeah. uh, it's the same story. Uh, bunch of humans in this case white people in the case of Pocahontas go to a new land decide hey fuck the locals and one of them is like no I like them I'm gonna help them out mm-hmm. in the case of Pocahontas it's Captain John Smith um, who is uh, somebody who has great relations with uh, people of other races ironically voiced by Mel Gibson <laughs> <laughs> So that happens. And John Smith is voiced by Christian Bale. No, no, Christian Bale voices some Tommy or some I don't okay. know, some kid maybe because okay. he was a young kid at that, yeah, that point. Yeah. Right? He was in Children of Empire of the Sun. Empire I think he was a child actor at that yeah. point. Uh, so Mel Gibson voices Captain John Smith. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so who would have known, right? But Mel Gibson usually likes like hanging out with with tribal folks. So uh, apocalypto. Yeah, apocalypto. Yeah. yeah. True. True. I think. Uh, now the in my head canon it, it is that Pocahontas inspired him to make Apocalypse. Okay, so. okay interesting. <laughs> so I that happens. Yeah. I again I don't think we want to get too much into the story. It's it's basically one guy tries to help out the locals and then turns out the locals uh, one of the local girls falls in love with them and yes. then but the, she's also a chief's daughter. Chief's daughter, yeah. but then the um the guy's superior is as has an ulterior motive. Yeah. And then conflict ensues. So on, you've you've heard the story before. Yeah, you you've seen it. Yeah, I I don't have any fondness for it, but no, and uh, I get Disney trying to like sanitize source material before kids or whatever for their audience. They've done it with the Little Mermaid, with Lion King. Trying to sanitize Pocahontas is like trying to clean an Indian toilet in a train, like Indian <laughs> Railways train. No matter how much you scrub and like, it's, it's, it's still not going to be dirty. Yeah. The damage has been done. Yeah. Moving on. Um, speaking of sanitized stories. Yes. There was another film that came out um, a few, a year or so later. 96, 97. 96, yeah. 97, I'd like to say. 96, I think. Because I 96, yeah, this was 97. So speaking of sanitized storylines, another film came out the following year, which was The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Now, I watched this movie much after I read the source material. Because as a child, I was um, I was really into illustrated classics and we had a big collection of them yes. in my library. 
So the Hunchback of Notre Dame is a story written by Victor Hugo. Yes. Somewhere in the 1800s. Yeah, 1830s. 1840s, more or less. And I initially gone after it because I hadn't seen the film upon release. But mm-hmm. then I assumed the story was, as a child, I assumed the story was similar to the book. Mm-hmm. And then I finished reading the book and then I was like, oh, wow, okay. I'm Even back then I thought, okay, I haven't seen a Disney movie like this. Maybe... Um, like uh, this, this might be interesting. I mean, forget the Disney movie. Even when I read the book first, because uh, I had read an abridged version. I think upon finishing the book, my first thought was, "Who's making abridged versions of this? You're letting kids read this book. <laughs> it is like dark from start to finish." So Victor Hugo is bleak. I think his his Paris, his post revolution Paris is is riddled with crime, with uh, vagrancy, with poverty. uh with re- religious doubt and i think religious doubt is for me the biggest theme of hunchback of notre dame mm-hmm. uh right from the uh, protagonist quasimodo or the the titular hunchback himself to uh, father what's his name qualo frollo frollo mm-hmm. uh, to father frollo to esmeralda i think the entire movie uh, or the the story itself in my view is about your faith being tested mm-hmm. whether god is fair to quasimodo whether uh, true love that the, the love that quasimodo has for esmeralda if there is a god should a love like that remain unrequited mm-hmm. um, the vows that uh, a father frollo takes uh, those vows being tested in the face of let's call it what it is lust for yeah. esmeralda uh, Frollo struggling with wrestling with uh, his urges versus his re- there's there's a lot of great uh, character motivation to work with mm-hmm. uh, in the source material itself and I think Disney for the large uh, part of it did bring that onto screen. They did, yeah. I think the the deviation that they've done is towards the end the the book is too bleak. Exactly. Yeah. I remember because Quasimodo obviously. starts his life from a disadvantaged position yeah. he doesn't look good he has a hunchback and mm-hmm. stuff and he's an exceptionally nice hearted uh, individual yeah. as a as a protagonist he's somebody that is super easy to root for mm-hmm. you really want him to uh, get what he wants and his love is pure and uh, all of those tr- tropes i mean all of them have uh, those story elements have now become tropes where yeah. you know you have a nice guy who the girl overlooks because she's Chasing somebody, somebody else, materialistic. Yeah. I forgot that soldier's name. Phoebus, Colonel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who and that guy is a douchebag. Now all of that we've seen n number of times in in works of whatever fiction, literature yeah. and uh, works of fiction since. But uh, the uh, I mean Victor Hugo lays down a lot of those sto- tropes in that story, and you you root a lot for Quasimodo. And I'm not going to spoil it. The way the book ends, you're just like, bro, what? the fuck like there is there is no joy in in that book at all and i think at some point disney decided okay, okay we, we can't do like, we we want to yeah there. we want to make this story we want to like obviously allude to certain things but we were not going the direction of the book yeah i think the biggest tip off we can give to the source material is we're going to include three gargoyles <laughs> one is called laverne and the other two are called victor and hugo <laughs> so so I think they they incorporated their fantastic elements into it and yeah. still makes it a very pleasant watch I kind of watched I mean I think Disney decided okay there's a great love story here yeah. so we have that ground to build on let's keep that let's not keep the the rest of the it the rest of it 
uh, they still have the whole Frollo, Esmeralda, Quasimodo dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for me, Frollo is one of the most compelling characters in literature because that character and the decisions and the conundrums that he wrestles with makes you as the reader ask difficult questions of your own faith if you mm-hmm. are somebody that believes. Uh, you're saying about the book is essentially like a deconstruction of it's ba- it basically challenges uh, your beliefs it it challenges piety it challenges your belief it challenges the concept of piety like he's dealing with lust he's dealing with envy because he sees esmeralda doesn't uh, reciprocate his advances mm-hmm. which anyway he shouldn't be uh, giving advances as a priest yeah and she's in she's la- in in turn lusting after uh, that other again i forgot his name phoebus phoebus yeah. sorry uh is such a douchebag i've thought of it but who, in the animated film is, is like he's, he's a he's a damn sweet guy oh is it yeah, yeah. they changed that as well yeah and in the animated film those two get together like esmeralda and phoebus get together oh yeah, yeah. okay i i forgot in this also yeah, yeah. and then I mean, spoilers for the Hunchback of Notre Dame. So they do get together. So they do get together. That way, at least, okay. Because in the book, yeah, no, no. The he, book for him, she is a fling. Yeah. For her, he is everything. And yeah. it's, everything is sad in the book. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, coming back to Frollo, I really love, uh, I really love the character. Because it's a brave character. You, mm. It's it's not black and white. He's an endless sea of grey. And uh, the there's a song in the, in the film where... Uh, Yeah, where he like it's a Frollo led song. Yes, it's about envy. It's about self doubt. Mm-hmm. It's about lust. It's it's a. I'm amazed that Disney was able to put all of that complex emotion into a song mm-hmm. and do a reasonably a very good job of it. I would yeah. say. I think The Hunchback is one of the most underrated films, even yes. though it was everywhere in the early 2000s and the late 90s. One of the more underrated films. I think uh, is there anything more to add, or we can move on to another piece? No, of I think I've, I have. Uh, Yeah, expunged your Victor Hugo. Yes. I I love the story. So I I I mean, movie apart, I think I had a lot to say about the story, story in general. <laughs> But moving on to another sanitized tale, which is ninety sevens Hercules. Yes. I mean, uh, there's no way Disney can accurately portray all of the bestiality, rape, and uh, general violence that exists in Greek mythology. Of course, for sure. <laughs> I think to begin with. I I blame Disney for making me believe that Zeus and Hera loved each other when in fact yeah. Hera, Hera despised his guts because there there's a wonderful pie chart of everything that happened in Greek mythology one would be like ah yeah the coincidence <laughs> and then the rest of the pie chart is like Zeus fucking around couldn't keep it in his pants yeah on that note a quick segue there's a great couple of books by Stephen Fry on Greek mythology I think it's called Mythos and Heroes uh both are roughly uh similar topic it talks about the origin of a lot of greek myths and the roles that various greek gods had to, had to play again like you said the under the theme that ties it all together is zeus and being unable to keep it in his pants nice, yeah. so yeah he, uh, hera and uh, zeus really dislike each other, each other yeah. uh and uh, again the movie sanitizes that among other things so do you remember this film not very much mm-hmm. i remember the game there was I, a really fun game that the game, game was really good and i played a lot of it i think more than the movie i remember the game because i played that for like uh, many many hours i forget so it's um, so it's, so the plot is hercules is born to zeus and hera and this pisses off hades who has this plan in 18 years to 
Which in itself, by the way, is a big inaccuracy right there. Her- Hercules is not born to Hera. No. He's born to somebody else. Yeah, he's, he's a demigod, right? And yeah. Hera spends all of her time trying, <laughs> trying to kill him. him. Yeah. The 12 tasks is what she designs, right? For Hercules. Uh, no, no. So what happens is... Uh, okay, firstly, Hercules is a romanization of the original Greek legendary figure who is Heracles. Yeah. So when Heracles is born, uh, first attempt that Hera makes on... Uh, killing heracles i think heracles name comes from hera, hera because yeah. uh, the guy who ends up raising heracles because zeus has mm-hmm. knocked up some girl i forgot who his mother is mm-hmm. uh, he names the kid heracles in the hope that because it's named after hera she will be softer Soft. towards him which does not work at all yeah. uh, when the kid is in his crib she sends a couple of snakes to uh, kill him mm-hmm. but as a child him. he strangles both of them so there's yeah. a famous image of Okay, baby Hercules yeah, yeah. holding a couple of snakes mm-hmm. and uh, then he's in a court and uh, there's a king who asks him to do these 12 uh, 10 labors actually yeah. not 12 mm-hmm. uh, I f- again I'm forgetting I recently read the Stephen Fry book but I'm forgetting why he owes 10 labors to the king uh, but the king tells him once you do these 10 labors you are free from my service and you can you're free to do what you want mm-hmm. so he does those 10 labors for two of them they, he ends up taking help and the king is like you didn't do them by mm-hmm. yourself so they need to do other labors which is how you get mm-hmm. the 12 labors yeah. of Hercules and uh, I think for one of them he takes help and for the other he gets paid for cleaning the Augean stables he gets paid. paid so the king again says that doesn't count that's mm-hmm. how you get 12 labors anyway coming back to Heracles mm-hmm. uh, again not somebody who Hera loved at all yeah. and uh, if we I mean the movie apart the, the story of the life of Heracles has him overlapping with so many other figures from Greek mythology he's also on Jason's ship Jason mm-hmm. and the Argonauts he's mm-hmm. one of the Argonauts mm-hmm. he interacts with uh, who's the guy from P oh Uh, Perseus, Perseus yeah. he interacts with Perseus he interacts with Theseus he has overlaps with all of them because Heracles has a very long life mm-hmm. uh, so he's always around he's always in the background and uh, he's a very flawed figure yes now I remember uh, what happens is Heracles has a wife and kid mm-hmm. one night Hera sort of confuses him mm-hmm. clouds his mind and he thinks that his wife and kid uh, are assassins come to kill him mm-hmm. he ends up murdering them and oh, the so king of the land is like you need to be punished for this so you need to do these 10 labors so oh, that, that's okay. how so that that's what they, they used that as the premise for god of war yes and yeah. i was just going to come to that yeah. god of war is essentially a grown up heracles story like yeah. they they decided hey you know what let's not sanitize this let's show greek mythology in all its ugliness yeah. in all its flaws and you know bitter characters and rivalries and all of that and let's make an adult game and something beautiful has come out of that, yeah, that the trilogy of the god of war games was so much fun i mean obviously they were ne- kratos never existed so i like you yeah kratos is a stand in for is there a hercules in god there is a hercules that pops up in the third god of war oh, okay where kratos bashes his face in with i think they've given heracles's backstory to her to, uh, to, to kratos yeah. yeah so sorry coming back to <laughs> coming back to today i do i love the story of heracles i yeah. could have gone on for another 10 minutes but and i think this is incorporated a, a large chunk of it into this because mm-hmm. um his battle with the hydras in here mm. um and like they they don't shy away from the fact that he is uh, um like ridiculously a, strong strong dude right <laughs> And there's the whole damsel, in, they, they make fun of the damsel in distress trope with Makara, Meg, 
and then the titans are still a big chunk of the part of the story as well the fates are involved there's a wonderful turn uh, by hades um, james who, woods who we should not uh, talk too much about yeah nowadays. oh james woods plays hades i did yeah. not know okay interesting james woods is hades great turn as hades but i think he's decided i'm going to be hades in real life so. <laughs> yeah So I remember this one line where where Hades finds out that Hercules is alive and then he goes up to Pain and Panic and says dead as a doornail <laughs> and Pain and Panic are panicking so yeah and I think I recall an interview where uh, who directed Hercules I don't I don't recall but the director had told uh, James Woods I need you to bring the energy of a desperate used car salesman <laughs> you need to be pushing your like how they push the customer to, why don't you buy it and you're like yeah. overly trying to be overly friendly mm-hmm. convince them bring that energy and when you see the translate you can actually see James Woods had has brought the energy to Hades he's extremely manipulative he can he he tries to side with you and kind of you know like uh, manipulate you into doing what he wants you to do mm-hmm. they're very slimy very icky character but mm-hmm. somebody that you can't really hate hate you're like this guy is super charming but i'm sure it's not good for me to yeah. yeah for sure i think it's um, i remember him being a distinct distinctly like one of the disney villains i really enjoyed watching yes yes i think he he serves as a very memorable disney villain yes. probably number one on a lot of charts in terms of and that flaming hair is a amazing design is a great 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 character choice yeah uh, again i wouldn't say as memorable as disney's earlier entries right at this point i feel Yeah, it's somewhere lost in uh, yeah. all of the other movies. But um, I think that's enough said on Hercules. If you haven't seen it in a while, you really should. It's a lot of fun. Uh, very breezy hour and a half to get through. Moving on, this is probably one of my favorite films to have come out in uh, in in the nineties. Unnecessarily remade again. The next film we want to talk about is nineteen ninety eight's Mulan, which I thoroughly enjoyed when it first released. Mm. it tells a story it's actually based on um, a real life or, or rather a, a chinese heroine kuai mulan who lived in the northern in the era of the northern southern chinese dynasties set so you so i think you'd like to put this what in the ad era because yeah so this is 4th to 7th century common era so because the huns are like Huns, I assume, are the Mongol, M- mongols not the mongols huns huns are a nomadic people just mm-hmm. like the mongols okay. but as a confederate confederacy the huns actually were also uh, were there even in the bc era because i remember attila the hun was a major threat to the late roman oh no correct the late roman empires were sort of disintegrating in the 4th century ad which is when attila hun the hun was a major threat so yeah around 4th 5th century ad i mean i know we're diverting here but why were the germans called the huns as well uh that was because uh, that was a world war 1 propaganda thing because uh, they were given the nickname huns because just like the huns used to over, like crash through and override overwhelm enemy defenses and mm-hmm. do this very fast uh over, you know they would come in very fast and like a blitzkrieg approach yeah. which in world war 2 was called blitzkrieg mm-hmm. world war 1 also the german tactics initially at least at the outset of the war had them uh, charging charging and taking especially belgium and all etc again mm-hmm. i'm going to go into world war 1 okay. <laughs> before i do that quickly and let me summarize they took belgium etc very quickly at the outset of the war oh, nice. and then they were like oh these they're like huns overriding all of europe just like the huns overrode europe back then mm-hmm. which is where the moniker for the germans as huns came and that sort of stuff okay interesting coming back <laughs> today i learned uh but yes so 
Mulan is, is a girl whose father gets uh, conscripted to go and join the Chinese army in an effort to battle the Huns. And her father's old, she doesn't want him to do that, so she cuts her hair and in the middle of the night takes his sword and goes up to enlist. Um, the, there's a fantastical element attached to it where Mushu, the, the, the family dragon mm-hmm. played by Eddie Murphy, uh, is sent, or rather, he's one of several. Do they dragons. have family dragons in this movie. Every family has their. Like they have like they have a temple where they have a set of dragons, and then the dragons uh, decide that they need to wake wake up one of the older dragons to like guide Mulan on her way okay. through her journey. But Moshu ends up destroying the statue that houses the dragon, and then he decides to go himself. Oh, uh, and I'm guessing through the course of the movie, he wisens up. Yeah, he redeems himself. Mm. So. Great story of uh, it's a it sounds like a very feminist movie in that it sense. It really is. It's, it's all about equality and empowerment. It's a really nice story. Like, I feel it didn't need to have been remade. I think the remake also is not hasn't really been very good. It also just I think it happened to have been shot in the areas where Uyghur Muslims were. <laughs> is it? Oh yeah, damn! Yeah. So there's 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 a whole. No, it had nothing going for it. <laughs> yeah, like the remake had a lot of controversy around it. Like and it just, it didn't help. I think it was scheduled for a March 2020 release uh, or the summer of 2020 and as a result yeah of course yeah it just didn't rightly so I would say if they're shooting in Uyghur territory to save costs regardless of the humanitarian crisis, crisis happening there yeah. you deserve it <laughs> so it, it ended up I remember it became one of those Disney exclusives that you could buy for 30 sure. <laughs> and everyone didn't like it. I don't think it was a film that... And everyone was, was like, okay, you've kind of taken a childhood hero and of mine and... Um, and Placed it in very problematic quarters. Exactly, right? So it's not... Uh, it, it's not it's not exactly the most um, fun situation to be in, especially if you're a child who grew up in the 90s idolizing this character. Mm. The original still stands out. It's one of... Uh, it's, it's probably one of the better films to have come out in the, in the 90s. I probably put it third or fourth on the list mm-hmm. fourth I would say in terms of if I were to rank the Nizam Zahra films um, if you haven't seen it I think you said you haven't seen it it's on, it's on Disney Hotstar so if you and the wife decide to just sit down and watch something <laughs> I should check it out because mm-hmm. again generally have a passing interest in Chinese history mm-hmm. more more so Mongol history but I, I don't think you're going to get the <laughs> like, the history itch is not going to be yeah. scratched okay but I mean it, it's still like it's it's a visual representation of the era so Maybe that that itch yeah, might be scratched, yeah, but yeah. I wouldn't uh, put my. It's not a hardcore like dive into. It, Google what tactics. It really is <laughs> not. Uh, I I feel Disney would have if Disney had put that out. It would have been very brave, but also <laughs> extremely very silly, boring. Very boring. As I, I think the bravest thing Disney have done so far is Fantasia, which is which the dates back to old like one. Okay. the thirties and forties, which is basically creating animated stories around classical pieces mm. of music and I like it. Fantasia gets boring if you're not if you're so accustomed to if you're not inclined for that sort of yeah but it's also an extremely bold choice for an animated mm. studio to do what they do like Night on Bald Mountain is the storyline of, of what happens there is amazing um, but in terms of Lena's like they have they are the big entity that they have so they have moved into the Lena franchise territory didn't require the uh, remake. a remake, but here we are. Well, that's Mulan. I'll I'll definitely try and check that out when I can. 
Also, once again, I really apologize for the drilling. There's, it just so happens that <laughs> we're, in, we're in this situation. It's okay. Bangalore is running out of room, guys. Uh, but to finally conclude these films, uh, I want to talk about 1999's Tarzan. A movie I quite enjoyed when it came out. I owned the action figure. Yes, I was also playing. I played the computer game a lot. Yeah. <laughs> You'll Be In My Heart is a song that was very popular in the 90s. I think it won the best song as well at the Oscars that year. Mm-hmm. Um, story of... It's the, it's the Edgar Rice Pearl story. Obviously yes. sanitized once more. Again sanitized, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't think she goes uh, willingly with Tarzan in the book. or She, she does. She does, she but... Yeah. I mean, there's the obvious savage and civilized person bridge that they have to overcome, overcome. which they do surprisingly easily in the Disney movie. Also, what a badass name for uh, Tarzan to have is his society name is what Lord Greystoke, if I remember. Yeah. Lord Alfred Greystoke. Greystoke yeah. Badass name, dude. Tarzan is is a fun thing, fun story. There's, I think the animated film, his parents are killed by Sabor, uh, the cheetah. Yes. Mm, or the jaguar, I'm not quite sure. One of the Feline creature. Feline creature. <laughs> I used to, I love Sabre's design. I really wanted to own yes. the action figure back in the day and the, and the fight between Tarzan and him. But the, after Tarzan gets adopted by the gorillas and they and they raise him up as one of their own. Then you have the whole thing about like a bunch of researchers come through. Some of them are fascinated by... It's like reverse Pocahontas. Yes. So you have... Some of them are there to like hunt gorillas. Are the What's the bad guy's name? Van Hunters? Clayton. Clayton. Mm. Fuck that guy. Dude. A, a portrait by, by Brian Blessed. Who's got that very distinct voice. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no wonder. I miss Brian Blessed. I think uh, very uh, easy to hate. He's like out and out. There is no, yeah, redeem- like he's a bad there is no redeeming factor there to really him. There is nothing about him. I think the 90s, the villains were single shade villains. They never, they yeah. never had... Uh, no, this guy is just like out and out. It's like can't wait for him to die. <laughs> and uh, But very, very dark death that he has in the end of the movie. He... Ends up, yeah, uh, by by mistake, he hangs himself on one of the vines. Oh, right, he yes. Is, and then you, they don't even show that. They just, just show the shadow yeah. of him just hanging on a vine. And as a kid, you're just like, bro, what? <laughs> it's dark. What is like the darkest moment in a, in a film that wasn't dark? Like, wasn't meant to be dark. I feel like, I think, I think of Jojo Rabbit, obviously. Uh, that's subversive. It is it is dark, but it's not presented darkly. Of course it is. What do you mean? That's what I'm saying. It's not presented. You're no. saying... No, no, not that moment. I'm saying Jojo Rabbit, the movie. Movie, right? Like, I think... The like, moment I know you're talking about Scarlett Johansson yeah, yeah, yeah. hanging, right? Yeah, yeah. True, true. It's the... It's the... It's because you're like... You and for me, this... As a kid was that moment. You're just like... What the... F- what happened? Yeah, what happened? Yeah. I mean, I'm happy, but... Whoa, they went there. Yeah, which is... Even then, you're just like, wow, okay. Yeah. I remember watching this movie in the movie theater, being very enthralled by Tarzan and all of the action. Like I mentioned, right, the action yes. figure and all of that. Great animation, uh, good music, great story. It's got that swashbuckling element, although uh, Tarzan doesn't really buckle any swashes yeah. in the story per se. Uh, a good a good watch. And I feel it has good rewatch. Like It's quite rewatchable. It really so is. If it's on TV or something, I wouldn't mind having it play in the background and like do my thing. I think this kind of signaled the end for Disney in terms of like their that era of, of films because these were all films you can recommend to other people. Didn't uh, Tarzan also have a remake? I don't think they had a remake. It I think did. they had a sequel. No, no. There is a 
the, the reason I want to bring that up oh, is, right, there is of course, it yeah. has Alexander Skarsgård and he looks like oh my god in that movie yeah, Skarsgård and Margot Robbie right, right yeah. yeah it has Skarsgård and uh, Skarsgård and Margot Robbie and legit in that movie I'm like Margot Robbie gets the fuck out of it I just want to look at this guy but I think that's he has like more... an 8 pack he's built I'm like bro this guy oh man I think that's an adaptation of uh, of the source material I think because in no, that like he's already Disney. civilized like yeah, he's, he's civilized and then he comes back comes and, back, yeah. dude, and he fights a gorilla in one scene I'm just like I don't have ovaries but something inside me is exploding right now <laughs> Uh, this is like so, a Loki Alexander Skarsgård fan film. I I am like out and out. I'm out and proud to Skarsgård. <laughs> I have no doubt that guy is uh, man. What a specimen! Your Northman is showing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but yeah, I, I, coming back to the whole Disney aspect of it, I think this kind of signaled the end for Disney's in terms of the animated films anyway, because they all made so much money, and then the next notable. entry that I can remember was the live action one with 2003 or parts of the caribbean and i think we've spoken about this in the hot yes. and cold franchise episode a great live action i, mm. I was like, okay i i always thought parts of the caribbean was going to be an animated film and i thought that she kind of a, a i would say market shift it's like a watershed moment like, okay yeah. animation ho gaya now let's try this i i think they did i mean they still put out animation movies but that wasn't their Main Monsters Inc was 2001 right i feel i think so yeah. yeah and that started going more in that the the pixar pixarish and it it wasn't like all of these are cartoony animation that was they started making that i think because of toy story yeah they started making that movement to okay we need it to look sort of it has it has a computer generated Like all of these, I think were handwritten, hand, hand, hand drawn animation yeah. versus computer. 2D animation versus 3D. Exactly, exactly. World, I mean, that's what I was looking for. 2D versus 3D. It looks world, different, yeah. and and I think this it, was an era. It, it really was. It was. Yeah. I, I mean, it would we'd be remiss in our duties to not mention Toy Story one and two, possibly one of the greater greatest animated yes. films to ever come out. Like you think one is good and then two comes out and just. The plot is extremely simple, but it's what they what Pixar do with yes simple plot plot lines and um, and what a hit rate Pixar has. I mean, we should do an episode on just Pixar someday. For sure, yeah, I think Pixar. I think they they hit more often, much more often than they miss. They've I I can count on one hand the number of misses they've had in the last twenty yeah, years. Exactly. So, so extremely good track record, and obviously Disney bought them out yeah. for seven odd billion or something a few years down the line. Hmm. I think they decided okay let's outsource our animation content we'll just buy these guys let them do animation we'll focus on live action or whatever I think Disney Studio also kept running in parallel so I believe Zootopia is a Disney product Oh okay yeah so but it's not Pixar I think Disney Studios and uh, I'm and sure Pixar when Zootopia came out all furries were like yes our time <laughs> has finally come <laughs> But there's a movie called The Wild Disney in 2007 or 8 it was again a movie because it, it tried to play off on the madagascar um hype because mm-hmm. madagascar was huge when, yeah. when it came out and it didn't end up doing too well again on the on the furries but i feel we've taken up enough of your time and if anything we've there's too for too much drilling in this episode uh that's us on this week we'll be back next week next week we may have something special yes but we'll, we'll something that's gestating in the works in the works that's us uh, until next time take care we'll Bye-bye. see you soon so they opened their big mouths and now came talk talk talk